Whether you call it technoference, fubbing, or just plain annoying, dealing with technology in our relationships can be really challenging. From over 50 years of research, we know that the quality of our social connections is the number one predictor of our happiness. We also know from the research, I know we know a lot, that social media, email, online gaming, and texting are poor substitutes for those crucial in-person interactions that help us feel safe and secure and happy. So since smartphones, social media, and other technology are pervasive and universal, how do we find the balance? Well, today I'm sharing all the things you need to know about how technologies are impacting your relationships and my top seven tips for finding balance and connection instead. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. Very excited to be here. So happy you're joining me today. Technology. Oh, do we have a big topic? We are going to go everywhere today. I've had a lot of people write in. I'm really excited. I do want to start by just saying that I am not a technology hater. Um, I like technology. I love being in the Apple store. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I'm not a big social media person. As I've shared before, you know, I'm in my late 50s and social media just wasn't around for the vast majority of my life. And then when it was around, I did not partake in it for years and years. It just didn't interest me. And then, you know, probably seven years ago, I started six years ago, I started dabbling. And I, I've never, I have to admit, I've always felt like a real immigrant to <laughs> social media, not a native. Um, so, but I don't hate it, or I don't think it's the worst thing that ever happened to us as a as a as a nation, or as a country, or as a world. Um, so. I do want to say that, but I do want to put that out there that uh, a lot of the statistics I found shocked me because I am older and it's not such a part of my life. What I always do when I'm doing a topic like this, as you know, is I first, I write down all my thoughts. I write down everything I know about a topic uh, and I write down all my client experiences, what I think my tips are, all the things I've talked about, all that. Then I go research. I see what do other people say about it besides a good old me. And as always, all the research, if you don't believe me, all the links will be on my website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast or forward slash relationship tips and tools. Or you can just do a search on the website itself, you know, a keyword around uh, technology and it'll pop right up. So if you want to go look and double check all my findings, I also want to say that I try to be very careful with the research that I do share that it's um, large populations that it's uh, not, you know, 50 people from some East African village who would be lovely and I, I hope you're listening from an East African village, but not necessarily, you know, globally can be reapplied and, and re-examined in the same way. So I try to look at research that has been um, replicated, has large sample sizes, etc. I also want to say, as you know, I tr we're in so many countries now, I really do try to represent some other large, you know, where most of my listenership is. 
which would include mostly English-speaking countries, I think. I don't know how the, you know, God bless everybody else who listens who's not. Um, but uh, so I do try to look, you know, the UK, Canada, Australia. I have to tell you, it, this thing was going to be about five hours long. And I didn't think you'd sit with me for five hours, nor did I want to sit here for five hours. I thought I'd get tired. So I'm going to be talking about the United States today, really, as I talk about the research. However, um, I did tr try to pull things that I also saw in the research from other countries so that this would be as, you know, uh, as many people friendly as as universally friendly as possible. I did try to do that. But as you're listening, this might not apply to you. You might be older, younger than the demographic or whatever, you know, of who this is for. I, just take what you want and leave the rest, right? With, anytime you're listening, also, if you find yourself getting defensive or angry at something I'm saying or thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me or that's stupid, Abby, or whatever, I would really ask you that's probably something you need to hear that you don't want to hear. Usually when we respond that way, it's because we're being defensive. Think about it. We're defending something that we believe or we hold dear. So I ask you to take a breath, to listen like you're wrong not like you're right, and see if there's something you could take away. It doesn't mean I'm right about everything I talk about. God knows. If you want to be right, you can get your own podcast. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm putting it out there and it does apply to a lot of people. So the likelihood it applies to you is kind of high, or at least pieces of it do. So, you know, again, try to listen with an open mind, take what you want, leave the rest. Okay. Um, is there anything else I felt like I had to say first? Uh, I think that's it. I just didn't want you to think I have some sort of adversarial relationship with technology or something weird. I think it's, um, again, I'm not really into social media, but you know, I do love the games on my phone. I'm not going to lie. I love those things. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, just, just keep it in mind. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, we've got over 50 years of happiness research showing us unequivocally that the number one, number one predictor of happiness and life satisfaction are the quality of your relationships with your partners, friends, family, coworkers, even your neighbors show up, okay? People with more friends are less likely to experience sadness, loneliness, low self-esteem, and problems eating or problems sleeping. I mean, it goes on and on how there's protective factors. It's so good. So, Social media, email, texting, it, it, they do make it easier to connect, obviously. But the question is, does that connection do the job of making us happier? And the answer from the research and kind of all of it, and I'll, I'll give you some things that were show it could be connecting later in the tips, but the research shows pretty much no. Take it as a no. Studies have shown over and over that social media, online gaming, email, and texting were no, no substitute for in-person interactions with people. Voice call, you know, phone calls and video calls were somewhat better in the research, but then there's some research that shows that that's not even that great, as great as we thought, you know, as much connection as we thought. Obviously, in so many situations, that's your best bet is to get on a Zoom or um, and if you're watching me on YouTube right now, say hi, hello, give a little comment below or something, say hi that you're listening, uh, and please subscribe and like the video if you like it. It always helps to get more subscribers, more people know, and uh, if you watch on YouTube, you can see the fabulous outfits I wear every week, because I think about it. I think, what am I going to wear on the podcast today? Okay, so, <laughs> so 
when you have when you lower your social connect connectedness in general it not only does it suck for you but it also hurts the people you love and especially kids there was a, one of the studies i read show it was a big study too showed that 62% of kids thought their parents were too distracted to listen to them and the number one reason they listed was their parents phone use <gasps> i got to tell you i was checking myself big when i read that you know and it it doesn't take freud right to see that when you take part in any any sort of isolated diversion you know scrolling through social media playing video games watching videos on your phone or on your computer you're obviously reducing the amount of social interaction and connection you could be having in any given moment with the people around you right or you could be reducing you know if you're home alone well go out and meet some people right? <laughs> go out and see some folks but we are reducing that obviously i mean just i mean i hope you see that it, every time you do that you're reducing something else so just be aware it doesn't mean you can't do it it just means you need to be aware so i want to talk technology in general and then i'll get kind of you know more granular so Again, this is the this is from uh, the Pew Research Center here in the United States, which and I really they do have some international research too, but uh, and I really do like their research overall. So they found that fifty one percent of people say their partner. So over half of people, just over half, say their partner is often or sometimes distracted by their cell phone when they're trying to have a conversation with them. I know forty and and remember that just asked cell phone. It didn't ask like because it was very specific it could have also if you add computers if people are distracted by a computer or some or just anything else a bird flying by you can see how distracted our partners are when we talk to them 40 percent say they are often or sometimes bothered by the amount of time their partner spends on their phone that's a lot 34 percent say they've looked through their partner's cell phone without their knowledge i think it's higher uh although and this is funny there was another stat that said 70% of people think it's wrong to look through your partner's cell phone without their knowledge. And I'm going to talk about self about uh, passwords and whether that's okay and looking through your partner's phone at the very end. Okay. So if you, if you, cause if you don't care about that, don't care, but if you do care, you're going to have to listen to the end, sorry, or fast forward or listen to me on 1.5 speed or something. Uh, but I thought that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, among partnered adults. So you don't have to be married, but partnered women are more likely than men to say they're often bothered by the amount of time their partners their partner spends on their cell phones or playing video games i don't think that's a huge shock younger americans in relationships are especially likely to view social media as having an important role in connecting and keeping up with their partner this blew me away as someone who is an immigrant to social media not a native holy cannoli i i have never once ever ever you use social media as a way of connecting or looking up and seeing what Gary's doing or talking about really me and Gary very much. If you follow me, you know, I don't really, sometimes I post pictures of us getting ice cream, but that's, that's about it. I mean, this morning on my stories on IG, I, I posted all about my kids leaving empty boxes around the house of food. But anyway, <laughs> so Faye, follow my stories. Uh, but I couldn't believe this number. I had no idea this really opened my eyes. So, so thank you for opening my eyes. Uh, 
About 30% of partnered adults who use social media say that these sites are at least somewhat important in showing how much they care about their partner or keeping up with what's going on in their partner's life. So of any age who use social media, again, shock to me because I don't ever do that. And But as you might imagine, and of course, as I just said, that statistic varies substantially, significantly by age. So 48% of 18 to 29 year olds said that these platforms are very important or you know, somewhat important in how they show how much they care about their partner. Okay, that's a huge number, right? Compared with 28% of people ages 30 and older. And, it, and older, I thought was a huge category. I bet that would be like 30 to 40 and then, or 45. And then I bet over that would be almost zero. I really do. You can let me know if I'm way off, but it just, and I'm not just saying this on myself, I'm talking about my clients and people, I, I work with people of all ages and I, wow, yeah. So that was an eye opener for Abby, thank you. <laughs> it really helps, you know, helps inform my work and make me better at what I do when I, when I know more. Um, I have to tell you, it's one of those times I really felt old. I was like, damn, I'm old. I can't believe I didn't even guess at this. Anyway, uh, and social media is often a source of jealousy and uncertainty in relationships, again, especially for younger adults with women being more likely to tell their partners that they don't like what they're doing to tell their kind of male counterpart partners that they don't like what they're doing on social media. That did not shock me because I have so many clients who have a lot of issues around jealousy and social media, like it happens so, so much. Again, I'll talk at the very end a little about that, but um, you know, I have, uh, I have an, I have an episode I did on jealousy. You can search for jealousy or look on the show notes page. I'll link to it, but, um, you know, what to do when you're jealous, because that's really what this is about. And, you know, then, or maybe look up trust on my website. There are tons of episodes on trust and how to build trust and honesty. That's what this is about, you know, not checking the phone, but anyway. Uh, okay. So Technoference is this term that ref that it's referring to the interruptions or distractions caused by technology when you're trying to communicate with someone. So this might be that they answer or look at their phone while you're speaking to them or they're scrolling through their feed while you're watching a movie together or uh, this came up the other night with a client. They, their, their partner, actually it was a male client whose female partner was playing video games all night and then was needed to sleep later in the morning and he was up taking care of the kids and he was, you know, annoyed <laughs> by it because she couldn't get out of bed because she was up to like two in the morning playing video games. So, and these types of behavior absolutely, right, negatively impact, they negatively impact our mood and how we feel about whatever that relationship is. And this could be happening, I'm talking about partners a lot, but I want to be clear, this could be happening when you talk to your mom, at work with a coworker, with your kids, anywhere. So please do not listen. Like, and if you're thinking, well, I'm single, so I don't have to worry about this. Nope. You need to be listening to, I probably should have said that earlier because all the single people probably stop listening anyway. <laughs> so fubbing, which I taught, God, I think it was episode six of the podcast. How do you like that? Four years ago, five years ago now, uh, where I talked about fubbing. And so we're, it was time for a refresh. I thought and looking up the latest research about it and all that. So Fubbing is a type of technoference, but it's specifically related to your smartphone, whether it's with your partner, um, a coworker, um, right, a friend, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it's with. It's uh, almost a sure thing 
you've been fubbed or you or you fubbed someone else. <laughs> it fubbing is basically ignoring someone in favor of your phone. And whether that's intentional or not, it's more detrimental to your relationships than you think. And this, I tell you, this research blows me away. And it really immediately when I did the research, I started acting differently at home. I mean, right away, I thought, and I'm pretty good with this stuff. And I realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So in recent years, so there has, there's been a good amount of research on fubbing and it's been found to decrease relationship, especially marital satisfaction. It affects each partner's feelings, including how depressed they are and their overall satisfaction with life. Is that crazy? Is that crazy? right? It's, it's meant to connect you, right? Fubbing is meant to connect you, right? Like with somebody on social media or, you know, through texting or something else, but it does the opposite, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing? It, it actually, it, it gets in the way of your present moment in person relationships. That's what's so crazy. It's, it's, and it's not creating the connection elsewhere that you think you are. So that's the problem. So when you're, think of it, just think of it this way. When you're on your phone, it means you're prioritizing something or someone else over the person you're with, period, end of. I know, I hated hearing this for myself because part of me is thinking, well, if I'm on my phone, but the other person's on their phone or they're doing something else, uh, or I'm alone and I'm doing, you know, and, and my kid is in the other room or Gary's not there or whatever, he's out, you know, doing something. Uh, or he's doing his own thing in the garage, then why am I, he's always in the garage. He's always in the garage or out back. That's where my Gary is. He likes, he likes to build things. He just built cornhole, cornhole. Everybody know what that is? Yeah, this whole cornhole, he just built it from scratch and put it all together. He, he's kind of magical building. Anyway, which I know for some of you who build, you're like, that's not hard. Well, I think it's hard. I'm amazed. And I think they look really professional when he's done. Anyway, he's made all the furniture in the backyard. He, he's incredible. But anyway, so he's always puttering or he's outside working out or for a run or he's, he likes to be outside. Okay. But regardless, right? So I might think, well, I'm in here and he's out there, but yeah. So, and yeah, everybody needs some alone time. I get it. But how much, and could I go outside and sit with him a little as he's building something and chat with him, even for part of that time, you know, you, you just, or can I go in, in McCartney's room and bug her? <laughs> <laughs> and let her know she has to talk to her mother. You know, I don't know. You know, there's thing, there's ways that I've been aware that I was fubbing more than I thought. And I don't think, I didn't think I fubbed a lot. So it really, it really was a good pull up for me personally. Um, we are built as a species to be extremely attuned to other people, especially our partners, of course. So when we think that someone isn't giving us their full attention, we feel disregarded, unheard, disrespected. And again, the because our expectations of our partners are higher, that number that it gets worse and worse for them. Re, so here you get this. Research shows that when people have a conversation without their smartphone around, and this is regardless of age, ethnicity, gender, or starting mood, I know, they feel more connected, report better, more productive conversations, and are happier. <laughs> because it seems that when you do all that, you know, when you're on the phone around, we feel more empathy and connection when our smartphones are put away is basically what happens. <clears throat> in fact, studies have shown that just, this blew my mind, just having a phone out 
during a conversation, just sitting on the table next to you, even if it's turned over, interferes with your sense of connection to the other person. It interferes with your feelings of closeness uh, that you experience and the quality of the conversation. And you know what the easiest way to think of this is? If you were talking to your therapist and they had their cell phone in their hand, they weren't looking at it, but they just had it in their hand. Wouldn't you be like, what the F? Right? If I was doing a talk in front of a lot of people and I just had my cell phone out, I had it up on the table even, or just in my hand, I right? It's like, uh, is there something else? Like, it's distracting. Is there something, is she gonna stop at any time? Is there something, is there an important call coming in? Is there something I should know about? Should I get invested? Should I not? All this is happening on a very subconscious level and it's drastically affecting your interactions with people and even what you talk about when and when i ask couples i thought about this when i ask about when they first met right when you first met even or think of a best friend someone you were just getting to know or some coworker you love okay when you first met but let's say couples right now they often will tell me these stories about how they stayed up all night talking or they used to talk for hours and because it's in these moments that we connect, <laughs> it's in these moments that we learn about our partners. We, we share our vulnerabilities, we hear the tone of their voice, we have eye contact, we sense their body language, all of that is happening. All these pieces form the foundation of our relationships. So if you wanna have closer trusting relationships with other people, you've gotta have good face-to-face -face conversations and interactions, you just do. So, and again, at the very least, that would be like a video call. If you have people, you know, if, if you're in the United States and your work is in China and you don't go there much and you're doing Zoom all the time, yeah. But you, so you have to really focus in a different way. You have to be thoughtful that, wow, this is the hardest way to create this sort of um, connection. I need to really think about this. I should not be distracted. I see you on the Zoom call, answer, you know, muting yourself and answering emails or not putting on the video at all because you want to do something else. You, you're, you're not really there. That, I, you got to really think about this stuff. It's impacting things. I'm not saying that, you know, if, for every single thing you do on Zoom, if you're on Zoom all day, you have to have your video on, but I would tell you it's diminishing your productivity, your effectiveness, and your interactions. Just, I mean, that's from the research. That's not me just being Jewish mother bossy, although I sound it right now. Um, that's what we know. It's crazy. I know. And and again, I want to say the same goes for your other relationships, right? If you're out at the park with your kids, get off your phone, interact with them. If you're, again, in a work meeting, don't check your emails. Don't scroll through social media under the table with your phone. Give the meeting your full attention. By the way, I think if everyone did this in those meetings, they'd be shorter and more productive, just for the record. <laughs> you know, so really think about that again especially with zoom and everything it's 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 harder to create that trust and connection so you got to know that so really see what you can do about that okay so i read a book years a few years ago and i reread it for this um called alone together by shelly turkle and she's an mit sociologist fucking brilliant i'm gonna say fucking because she's brilliant oh my god girl crush girl crush sherry turkle if you're listening if anybody knows her tell her i love her so much She's friggin' brilliant. She's so human. She's amazing. Can you imagine being a sociologist at MIT? Can you, can you kind of get what that's about? <laughs> well, so she's been studying the impact on, on, of technology on how we behave alone and in groups for like over 20 years. I think it's 25, 30 years now. And her research has shown that 
89% of Americans, again, I'm, I'm here in America, sorry, say that during their last social interaction, they took out a phone despite the fact that 82% said that it deteriorated the conversation they were in. I know, think of that. Basically, we're doing something we know is hurting our interactions and we can't seem to stop ourselves. In Turkle's studies, she found that if you put a cell phone into a social interaction, it does two things. And I think this is really important. First, it decreases the quality of what you talk about because you talk about things where you wouldn't mind being interrupted. You're doing this very unconsciously. Isn't that crazy? That's what's happening. Second, it decreases the, um, the empathy, the empathic connection that people feel with each other. So they end up more disconnected and feeling like the conversation wasn't satisfying. Is that crazy? I know. And again, using a smartphone in, in any of these social interactions doesn't just hurt the relationship, it also devalues your own experience, your own experience. In one study, they found that people who use their smartphone while uh, dining out with friends experienced less interest and enjoyment and more boredom than people who didn't use a cell phone when they were out with friends. And I have to tell you these days, it's always hard for me I will often look around, I'll see a family and all the kids are on their, their phones, or I'll see, a, you know, six young people sit down and they're all on their phones. I'm like, you're out to dinner, talk to each other. You know, there's just something, and I get it. I'm, I know some of you are like, oh, Abby, get over it. You know, you're just old and, and crusty and cranky. And I am, I guess, a little, except that, you know, I think we're getting meaner and meaner to each other in a lot of ways. And a lot of this has to do with it. We know from the research from this distance. And again, I also know it's making you more depressed. I just gave you the research. If you're sitting out to dinner, if you go to all the trouble to all got to dinner, just try it once. Everybody put your cell phones away. Check it out. See what comes up. See what you have to talk about. It's probably going to be uncomfortable if you're not used to it because it's a skill to talk. It's a skill. Conversation's a skill. But, you know, Come with a list of questions. Ask everybody what their favorite vacation would be. If they had all the money in the world, what would they do for one day? What would their perfect day look like? There's a million things you can talk about with somebody. And by the way, even if you've been married 100 years or with your partner 100 years, and you're thinking, well, we've already talked about everything. No, you haven't. Are you kidding me? You're telling me you haven't, you've been with your partner 20 years and you haven't learned one new thing in 20 years? Seriously? You need, there's something going on. Talk about this episode. Talk about any, I don't care, but, have a chat, okay? <laughs> because fubbing, again, from the research, it, I, the, these are the people who are gonna be looking up my research. They're like, screw you, Abby, I'm looking this up. Well, please do, because there's tons of it, okay? Studies have also shown that fubbing hurts our mental health in other ways. It's been found to threaten what are called the four fundamental needs, which are self-esteem. I have to remember them now. The four fundamental needs are uh, meaningful existence, self-esteem, control, and belongingness. And being on our uh, phone and that kind of thing is found to diminish our relationship to those things within, our, within ourselves. So the act of fubbing causes people to feel excluded, diminished, you know, I'm not that important if you're looking at your phone, and ostracized. It's really bad. And I think in some ways that we've just been in a lot of denial when it comes to our phones. We see the damage when others fub us, but we still do it ourselves. And some of us, it's really sad, don't even realize the damage, don't even think it's happening, are so used to it, it's so ubiquitous, it's so everywhere, it's so universal. You're like, 
Oh, I don't think it's affecting my relationships, Abby, except every time we do the research, it shows it does. So, you know, again, listen like you're wrong. Listen, you know, I'm not going to tell you to get rid of all your social media or something at the end of this. So be calm. Okay. I'm going to give you good tips, but, and we keep checking our phones because even though we know it's very bad for us, it's difficult to like, just stop. It's a compulsive behavior. We check our phones, our email, our social media accounts, because it provides us with something that researchers call variable ratio reinforcement. And this is the same thing that happens on slot machines. What it means is that once in a while, we get an email, a comment or like on social media or a message that for some reason is particularly rewarding. And that once in a while is enough to keep us checking compulsively the rest of the time. Okay. So you, you're built this way. That's why slot machines work. You are built this way. You don't have to get uh, <laughs> something Chuck E. Cheese here in America. I don't think other countries have Chuck E. Cheese. I remember looking it up once. I think other countries, a few other countries do, and I'm sorry, but um, it, it, it's just this, it's this place and you go in and you pay all this money for your kids to run around like crazy people and eat really bad pizza. Sorry, Chuck E. Cheese, but it is, and you know that too. And, but there's all these games and, uh, you know, things to climb and all that, but the games, they get like tickets, right? When they win a game, all these little kinds of, you know, little kinds of games. And then they can go, there's, there's this stand with all these super cheap, like nothing little prizes. I use that term loosely, like little pieces of plastic, like a tin, you know, like a plastic whistle or something. And up to, of course, some bigger things, which no kid ever has enough tickets for. And unless you've spent like a thousand dollars to get that, you know, $5 stuffed animal. Um, and literally, so you, but they are, it's addicting, you know, little kids, it's the same thing. It is this, this, uh, reinforcement ratio that's happening. So, and consider this, I read this, it was blew my mind. There's uh Wilhelm, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. I think it's Hoffman. He's at Chicago university. He, he had research that showed that the urge to check social media is stronger than the urge for sex. <laughs> ah! We are, as I said, profoundly social creatures and having connection and a sense of belonging are really crucial for our health and happiness. And research again shows that lacking these connections or loneliness can be worse for your health than smoking, high blood pressure and obesity. So, you know, it, it's bad. We screw up. We, we look for connection on social media at the cost of these face-to-face -face opportunities for true intimacy, right? And our smartphones, ironically or not, are tricking us into thinking we're connected when really we're sacrificing true, close, and connected relationships for these things. Just saying, okay? Again, they're not evil. We got to figure out how to use them. They're here in our lives. I, I'm not giving up my smartphone. So we're going to talk. And I will say, here's the argument I get from some people. They'll say, well, what if I'm interacting? You know, you might be arguing with me right now that, uh, well, I text a lot and DMs on social media or even email doesn't do harm to my social relationships because it's interactive. But the problem with these type of technologies is that we lose something called dimensionality. No matter how many emojis you might use, texting and DMs on social media, they just, 
they just can't convey emotion very well because so much of communication is of course visual and auditory it's being with the person there was in my research there was something i read by arthur brooks arthur c brooks he uh he's a he's again another crush i have i have a lot of crushes on people who research and stuff um, <laughs> um emotional crushes crushes of course he said something like that the technologies right are and excuse me if i'm killing this i'll try to find the direct the actual quote for um my blog okay and he said that these technologies are like to in-person interactions what a black and white pixelated version of the mona lisa is to the real thing do you see where i'm going here he, he says you know it's identifiable you know it's the Mona Lisa, but it's incapable of producing the same emotional effects. If you were to see some pixelated black and white thing of the Mona Lisa, eh, if you're standing in front of it, watching it, and I've been there, I cried. I don't know. It was big. It felt like a big moment. Or other art, if you don't like the Mona Lisa, you can substitute other art in that place, right? It's different when you're there, when you see it, when you're seeing all the dimensions of something, when you're sharing it with other people around you. It just all changes it, right? So, so think of it like that. I know it's brilliant. And I will find the apps, the, the quote, I feel like I'm close, but anyway, so when you're texting, DMing, whatever emails, you're obviously having a more shallow conversation and interaction, which again, doesn't fill the connection bucket. When you talk face to face with someone, you go deeper, you have more extensive communication and Again, we know from the research that these deeper talks bring you more well-being than those shorter, you know, kind of surface conversations. Okay, I'm going to give you two more things in the research and then we're going to move on a little bit. Teens who texted more than their peers experienced more anxiety, depression, and aggression and had worse relationship with their dads, which I thought was interesting, in a few studies that was replicated more than once. And in another study I saw, it it said that you'll feel more understood and satisfied with your partner when you have more face-to-face -face communication just overall, right? And that was, again, that was in a few studies, and I've already said that. I'm going to take a minute before we get to the tips to just talk about video games really quickly. You know, because video games, I don't want to do a whole episode on this. People have asked. I'm not, um, I'm just, I'm not going to, because everything kind of applies. It's for the same reasons, I think. So I want to say this. A lot of people use the word addiction. There, There's no... There's no, um, in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, at this point, there's nothing in there for video addiction or pornography addiction or cell phone addiction. We don't have that yet. We, it doesn't mean it does, isn't real. It just means we haven't caught up and created that. Uh, I know the World Health Organization, I didn't look, oops, before I did this, was coming out with some diagnostic criteria. They, I don't, I don't know if they said it was or not. Oops, I should have looked at that first. Sorry, I'm already deep in right here. We're okay. What my point is, don't throw around that term addiction so loosely if someone that you know or love, you know, plays video games a lot. I will say though, there's problematic use, right? It's the same with any form of, of technology, right? Video games can be fun. They can be an escape, but they can also feel like an addiction. It can be, you know, in in a wonderful way of time to decompress to to just you know like having a little more one martini in the afternoon right you know or it can create isolation arguments so when video gaming becomes obsessive is when it becomes a problem and i would say and these are just mine so i didn't get these from anywhere these are just what i've seen and what i've read unhealthy video gaming as far as i'm concerned looks like having 
one or more of these, which is uh, people who consistently play for longer periods of time than they first said. Like, so they're like, oh, I'm just going to play for an hour. And then it's three hours later and they're still playing. That's problematic. They got hooked in there. Their, their brain got a little hijacked. Not being able to relax any other way. If video games are the only way you can relax, to me, that's a problem. In the same way that if drinking is the only way you can relax, I think that's a problem. Uh, it doesn't mean you're an, an alcoholic or a video game addict. It just means it's a problem and you should look at it and, and try to foster other ways to relax. Uh, if you are looking forward to playing more than you look forward to spending time with the important people in your life, I think that's a problem. And again, something I see with some regularity, uh, and everyone looks, maybe looks forward occasionally a little more to playing than, you know, being with someone at a certain time. But if it's always that way, if it's so consistent, that's what I want you to look at. Um, if you're spending time playing while you're ignoring important life functions, such as interacting with your kids, you know, you don't, you never go to the park with your kids because you're playing video games or uh, interacting with your partner or cleaning or personal hygiene or exercise or work. If you stayed up all night watching video games and you're tired, you can drag in your ass at work the next day, that's a, you know, consistently, if you do that once in a while, it's no big deal to me. But if you're doing that once a week, that's a, or more, that's a problem. You know, there's something going on. Um, if you're continuing to, to play despite negative consequences, so if you've had health issues, um, arguments with your partner, arguments with your family, complaints from your kids, problems at work that are somehow related to your playing, even if you don't think it's a problem, but everybody else does, that to me is an issue. I did see one study. I didn't, I kind of don't want to quote it. It, I don't think it was good enough. <laughs> it was a small study. Look, I said I'd never do this, but I'm going to do it. But it did show, it was a small study on divorce that showed that about, um, that video gaming came up as either a reason or a partial, at least a partial reason in about 15% of divorce cases in um, this one study. I could not find that replicated anywhere. So I'm just throwing that out there though, but it's interesting it got found at all. All right, so again, you don't have to banish video gaming, but if it's caused arguments or issues, it's likely, you know, time to start making some changes with its importance in your life. Like to me, that's what you have to think about, right? If it's done that. So, okay, so let's talk about my uh, seven tips to deal with technology in your relationships. Okay, so seven tips to deal with technology in your relationships. First and foremost, I want you to think of technology as a complement to your relationships and your life, not a substitute for your relationships and your life. That's it. If you can do that everywhere, you're in, you're in, you're in good stead. If you're looking at it as a substitute for connection, as a substitute for communication with your partner, as a sub, then there's a problem. If you see it as a complement, as something that adds, then great. And the relationships in your life feel strong and fabulous and close and good and wonderful and yummy and connected. Then I think technology, I think it can be really fun to play video games with your kids. I think it can be really fun to uh, sip, even sit side by side in bed scrolling and sharing funny reels on TikTok, you know, I think it can be really connecting to, I text Gary, you know, during the day sometimes with, you know, just that I'm thinking about him or I love him or, you know, um, something like that. Just, just my, you know, not every day. I don't think I do that, but with, you know, I try to, I, I 
do a little quick video on my phone. He likes to see me, you know, send him a little video. There's an example of that face to face, a little better. Instead of a text, I send a little video via text. Um, you know, just a quickie, give them a kiss. Maybe showing a little boob. Yeah, I've done it. Showing a little boob. <laughs> uh, whatever. Sexting's good. We like that. I think that can be good. You know, I just think that there's ways, of course, that it can complement your relationship. And I think you know the difference. So let's, with that in mind, here are my top tips to create balance and connection when it comes to technology in your relationship. And tip number one is probably not going to be a surprise. And we're not going to spend much time on it because I don't, I talk about it so damn much. You got to practice mindfulness. Oh my God, Abby, really? Mindfulness again? Yes. Yes, I'm shouty capitals. Yes, I'm yelling at you. Yes, yes, yes. If you're not aware, I wasn't aware. I'm a mindfulness queen. I friggin' meditate every day. I teach this shit. Oh my God. And then when I started, when I did this research and I looked, I realized all the places that I'm on my phone that I don't have to be. I was like, damn. Even the other day, I totally put this into practice. I was waiting in line at the grocery store. I love my Trader Joe's. And I wasn't in my phone. I was like, stop looking at your phone when you're in the grocery store. Just, just stand in line. Be a person. Talk to others maybe. Who knows? And sure enough, I've done this now three times. It's really funny. I've caught myself on my phone. I've put it down. I think God is just trying to screw with me. But three times now, people have come up to talk to me that I've uh, kind of two times people I knew, you know, uh, other moms. And another time, this sort of person I didn't know I knew, but who's our daughters hang out and she recognized me and she, I don't know how I forgot to ask that, uh, but came over and said, hi and introduced herself. How nice. If I had been with my head down in my phone, number one, she might not have come over at all. And number two, she might not have recognized me because my head was down on my phone. So I'm just saying like, wow, how, how lovely. And just by the way, to sit there and breathe, you know, I was practicing some um, meditation. I was doing a little open eye meditation a few times. Just, you know, take it in my surroundings, just just being in the moment. Yes, get off your phone when you can, especially in those things. Uh, in my experience, again, the vast majority of people aren't even aware that they're fubbing or being unhealthy in some way with technology. It's become just such a pervasive part of daily life and just such a habit. It was becoming a habit for me to, to get on my phone when I'm waiting online. Sometimes, by the way, is to read a book. I used to carry a book around. I actually still do. It's in the back of my car. And I've just, I've come back to that. Like if I'm waiting at the DMV, if I'm going to be somewhere long, I, I've gotten, you know, used to just carrying a real book around and opening a real book again, uh, just to sort of shift some of the energy of getting too lost in my phone, you know, um, it, I think it's really helpful. So learning to be mindful and making mindfulness a habit, a consistent habit has to be first and foremost, has to be your first step. So, and you know, I've got my free mindfulness starter kit on the website and I'll link to it in these show notes and on this, you know, page in the blog and all the good things. It's everywhere. It's on the shop page otherwise, and it's free. You just have to put in your email you get on my weekly love letter list, which you should want to be on. It's wonderful. I send out a love letter every week to everybody. I'm not selling anything. I'm not doing anything sleazy. I'm just trying to motivate you during the week and give you a little story, little something, little thing I've noticed, something maybe, you know, my clients have, you know, made, given me an aha moment about, and I share that in some pithy, fabulous way uh, in my weekly thing. And if you don't like it, unsubscribe. I'm not going to notice. There's lots of people on there. I promise you can unsubscribe and I will not see. So, 
get the mindfulness starter kit, damn it, and just start doing it. And, or come on over to the website, put in mindfulness. There's tons of how to make it a habit and how it saves your relationship and all the good things. Okay. It's all there. I'm not going to do it. All right. Tip number two, create device free spaces. So I want you to designate, you know, your car, the kitchen table, your bed, the backyard, the deck, I don't care as a device free zone. And these spaces are set aside for face-to-face -face conversations only. I would say to do it at meal times, no matter what. We have never ever had cell phones out, whether we're out to eat or home, cell phones are not at the table, period. You're not on the cell phone. My teenager's able to do it well. And by the way, my teenagers know how to talk to people. <laughs> Shocking having me as a mom, right? No, I'm serious. They know how to talk to people. They know how to have a conversation and make eye contact. Yeah, because it's a skill. It's not something you're born with. You got to practice it. And because they're not always, you know, they go out to dinner with family or with us sitting around the table, we have conversations about things. We talk about things. I, it doesn't mean I don't share funny TikTok videos, you know, to, with my kids sometimes when I find them. I do, I do like those TikTok videos sometimes. Uh, I'm, so, I'm such a, a, a creeper. I don't, you know, I put my, my social media person posts my reels on TikToks, but, or my little videos on TikTok, but I, I'm not on there myself really, but I am, I have a separate, like, private account, <laughs> not a professional one, where I just lurk. I just lurk, follow lots of cool people. Um, anyway, and sometimes I find some, something interesting or funny, I send it to them, but you know, even that's not a ton because I'm not on there a ton. And, but when we're sitting in to eat, whether that's Gary or I, it doesn't matter. There's no phones. It's just no phones. It's not that hard. It doesn't take us that long to eat. We're not there for three hours. My God, put your fucking phones away. Just put them away. It's okay. You're not going to die. I had 40 years of meals without a phone around. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's okay. You're going to be fine. I, I swear I survived. So, you know, if you have lunch with a friend, put it away. Uh, a coffee break with a colleague, put it away. Again, just don't put your phone on the table either. Don't have it out. Don't have it near. Remember, remember the research I just quoted? Just make meals maybe a time when you are there to listen and communicate. If you're eating alone, try that still. Make it a de device-free zone. I know. You're like, what? Yes. Just try to sit for the 10 minutes it takes you to eat, the five minutes it takes you to eat. It's pretty quick to eat. It doesn't take that long. Uh, just sit. Look out the window. Pet your dog. I don't know. Maybe don't pet your dog and eat, but you know what I mean. Try to maybe read a book or a magazine, but try to just get off your phone and that kind of thing. Just try to be really present with your food. You know, just if you can keep food as a thing where you don't do other things, it's it's healthy anyway. Uh, and if you're out, you might talk to the person at the next table if you're alone. Who knows? Anyway, okay. Tip number three is to do a techno fast, which is different than what I just said. What I just said was to create a sacred space where there's no technology, okay, all the time, all the time. Uh, however you wanna do that. But a techno fast is a little different. You would stay off your phone completely for an entire day or a weekend or whatever. It, it, and if you feel like you can't do this, just allocate Think about fasting intervals during the day. Be off your phone or have it locked and have it locked in a drawer or leave it in your car, let's say from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And again, from 1 to 4 p.m. People are gasping right now. I can hear you. I can hear you all the way from other countries. I can hear you. Just, just try it. Try it. You're going to be more productive. I'll tell you that right now. Because 
and I've talked about this on other, I don't want to get too deep because that's its own episode, I think. But um, when you're, well, we know again from the research that just having your phone near you, your brain, because of that slot mentality, it, it's, it's distracted because it wants to look at the phone. It knows that there's something there. So if you have it where it can't even get to it, you, and by the way, you'll get a little exercise in between things. You can walk out to the car at noon and go get your phone, you know, and give yourself a little exercise instead of sitting at your desk nonstop or do it for one hour or two hours, whatever. But I'm telling you like, so right now, like when I do the podcast, my phone is in a drawer in this, uh, cabinet I have over here. It, well, can't see it, but that's what I do with it. I just have it so I can completely immerse myself in the, I don't have to worry even about that little vibrating noise, nothing. I can't hear it. I can't see it. It's beautiful. Every now and then I've forgotten and to put it away when I'm doing it and it'll vibrate. And I swear it, pull, it does, it pulls me. So just maybe only check your phone at two preset times per day, you know, whatever it is, or just say, I'm going to check it for 15 minutes or whatever that is. I also highly recommend doing this with social media or video games, you know, do a fast for a few hours, a day, a week, make the commitment. And, and what's important is to play, pay close attention to your feelings. When you have the urge to grab your device, you're going to notice how, what, all the things you're pushing in there and it's not healthy stuff. So try a fast, try it out, see how it goes. Okay. Do everything you have to do to make it happen. All right. Tip number four is to replace electronic interactions with face-to-face -face ones. Like try to do that once a week, twice a week, once a day, whatever. I've again, already listed a ton of research that says that one of the very best things you can do for both your physical and mental health is to build strong social relationships. And those relationships, right, where we have in that we have in person, we know are better for you, right? They're more intimate, more connected. I, I hope I've made that point by now. So again, you might have a follower on Instagram that you chat with all the time, but you know, if you got sick, this person's not coming over to bring you some chicken soup. I'm telling you that right now, or you really don't want them to know where you live. I hope, but anyway, <laughs> confusing lots of contact with actual closeness, and intimacy is a big problem. So instead of spending that time chatting on social media, you know, make a lunch date with a friend, spend some quality time. We know that any activities that involve other people, whether it's going to a party, sitting down for lunch, playing sports, attending religious services, uh, they all have positive effects on our mental health, right? It's the face-to-face -face social interactions that improve our mood and reduce depression. They help us feel safe and connected. They help us feel belong that we belong. All those, right? They raise our self-esteem. All the things. I have, you know, a list of people where I, I try to have like girlfriend, you know, dinner out with a girlfriend every other week, you know, that kind of thing. Like I just, for myself, I try to plan this stuff. I try to think about how I can see people and where, you know, what things Gary and I going on, Gary and I are going on date night tonight and it's not a weekend, you know, just picking a night going on, just going out together. You know, we, we get all excited. I, can I tell you something really cool? Actually last week, was it last week or the week before when we were on date night, a little date. We don't have one night that's like date night. We, we move it around. But anyway, um, we were out and it was really cool. We were sitting and the server said to us, oh, you, you know, we were being adorable and cute because we are. And the server asked if we were on our first date. And I thought that was such a compliment. I was so excited. 
I said, no, we've been together for years. And it was such a lovely, it was very cool. It felt really good. I'm like, I like that we got first date vibes, you know, maybe, you know, not the icky ones, you know, where you're uncomfortable, but you know, the, we, we are always touching and we're cute and we giggle and all the things and we chit chat. We, we like to chit chat. We were chatting, chatting. So, uh, you know, anyway, it was kind of cool. All right, moving on. Uh, tip number five, I do your best to shift your perspective. Okay. So if you're the one being fubbed, try not to take offense or get upset or get really angry. You know, I want you to remember the other person is following this sort of biologically driven impulse. So do your best to be compassionate and patient while trying to problem solve at some point, not when you're upset, you know, remember you have to connect to correct. So wait till you're feeling more connected and then bring up the technology thing say hey can we talk about the technology you know technology in our relationship i'd really just like to just figure it out just talk about kind of what our ground rules are you know i was listening to this podcast with abby and it, you know really it it definitely you know throw in some research that i said or something um if you want you can listen together maybe if they will i don't know if they will if they won't listen maybe they'll read the blog post about it try that but if not just talk about it don't worry about having them go read something and report back you know, just talk about, say, I'd like to just, you know, when we're talking, how can we create a rule that we don't have our phones out or whatever? And just, but listen like you're wrong, listen and be curious, ask questions, you know, why the phone is out, what else can we do, what times maybe are exclusively no phone, no, no, whatever interruptions and what times are okay, that kind of thing. Don't make it an all or nothing. Whenever I speak to you, you have to put your phone away. That's going to get hard, but you know, you can do other things. You can talk, talk about other ways to do this and, you know, just be clear about how you feel about it. Just let them know it really is hurting my feelings. I'm having a hard time. I'm not feeling connected. And the research says why <laughs> it's not me being needy or clingy. Like this is a real thing and it's hurting you. It's hurting both of us. It's hurting our connection. So I just want to figure out a way that we can be proactive doing things that create connection, you know, just focus on creating connection. You don't have to focus so much on the no connection part, focus on how you're going to create it. And guess what? Cell phones will not be involved. There you go it's even easier. The next time, you know, you're with another human being and you feel tempted to pull out your phone, stop, stop yourself, put it away, take the opportunity to look, you know, look them directly in the eyes, really listen to what they have to say, right? Just set up in your mind, just shift that mindset some, okay? Tip number six is to set up some techno times. So again, these are all a little different the fast, the, the places, the sacred places where there's no technology. Okay. So have a conversation with your partner, kids, or other important people in your life, whoever that is about, you know, again, the effect technology is having on your relationship. Again, remember to focus on feelings, not facts. And again, discuss how to find balance. This really goes with that last one where we're right, trying to figure this out with our partners and have a different mindset. So now you're going to put that into action and really discuss how to find balance and then set up if you can specific times to allow technology instead of being an all day never ending thing i think that's the thing you know maybe your partner plays video games four nights a week from nine to eleven and you know that, that's just a given and and then again you find other times to connect you don't every night go oh i'm not connecting and they're going to play video games because they don't love me by the way that doesn't mean they don't love you 
stop putting meaning with it. That's part of the last tip of changing your perspective. And instead just think about, well, what could we do to create connection? Like that doesn't. So, and if that's, you know, taking up so much time, talk to your partner, say, it's really feels like it's interfering, but I understand you want to do it. So let's talk about how that can look like, how can we uh, create a balance for ourselves so that you can get what you need and I can get what I need. Um, maybe you, you get to go escape and play games on your phone or scroll through social media every day from three to four and someone else looks after the kid or your kids or walks the dog or whatever. Uh, maybe all electronics go off after 9 p.m. I hear you gasping. <laughs> or maybe you do that one night a week. I mean, don't get so black and white with everything, right? Start small if you need to. I definitely, no matter what, highly encourage you to move your smartphone away from your bed and get a real alarm clock. I want to say that. It's just too accessible. It's too easy. It's like having a plate of brownies next to your bed all the time. It's just too hard. I don't even know. So if you notice, all of this is about, all these tips so far are really about creating some boundaries, some clarity of expectations. You have to be clear with your expectations for yourself and others. Cause it's also going to keep, haven't you yourself, I, you probably complained about your partner doing something, but haven't you ever caught yourself three hours later looking through, I don't know, TikTok or whatever, or IG or whatever, you know, you've gone down a rabbit hole on the internet, maybe surfing for something or looking for something. I mean, it's easy YouTube videos for hours. It's very easy to get caught up binge watching something. So, when you have limits for yourself too, it'll help you kind of put things in a box and, and be more limited about it, right? It'll help you get up off the couch and go do something else. So just be clear with those expectations for yourself, for other people. It keeps the disappointments low and the connections high, which is great. And number seven is a very granular one. Okay, this one is really getting nitty gritty. <clears throat> I want you in tip number seven is to text facts not feelings. I uh, know. I want to tell you, probably the uh, people come to me all the time telling me about fights, about misunderstandings they've had over or, or due to texting. And the amount of confusion, miscues, frustrations that people experience due to texting blows my mind. So you want to have this one rule, text only facts, not feelings. Make texting only be for logistics or emergencies. Nothing else. No conversations should happen over text that have any emotion, any inner thoughts, deeper messages. In other words, so if you have to use an emoji to be understood, you shouldn't text it. Whatever you text should be totally understandable without an LOL or a JK joke or a sad face, right? Everything. If you're ready to share some feelings or discuss an issue, it's time to stop texting and start talking face to face again, or by video or by phone at the very least, the, the closer you can get to that, the better. We've become a society too accustomed to speaking at, at a distance. And this leads to saying things we'd never say in person. And again, to misunderstandings and to misconstruing things and because uh, we don't see tone or see facial cues or hear tone sorry or see facial cues texting what should be said in person is not only a missed opportunity it's a chance to screw, screw up royally that's what it is you're missing an opportunity if you're if you're texting instead of talking in person you're missing an opportunity and you're opening yourself up to screwing up and we don't want to screw up so make a rule that you'll only text logistics. So, you know, 
where to meet for dinner, what time you're leaving work, do I need to pick up milk on the way home? None of these needs an emoji to understand its meaning or its tone. Okay, I'm not saying can't add an emoji later. I love you. Bye, right? But it's simple, straightforward, it's to the point. If you, you know, again, want to throw in an I love you or I can't wait to see you, be my guest, but but don't start a conversation on this level. Okay? It it's fine to use text texting for help with, you know, again, everyday planning and coordination, but everything else should be kind of off limits, right? If, if you've got something more to say, you're gonna need to use your mouth, not your fingers, unless you're having sex with your partner, then you can, you can use both your mouth and your fingers. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I gotta have fun on here too, all right. So, does that mean, right? And again, like I just said to you, I text Gary sometimes, I love you or something. That's very different. It's occasional, whatever. And even that, don't do it all day. Don't do it every day, all day. Don't be, you know, that you don't need to be connected to this person nonstop. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. It's a nice thing. This is your anxiety if you need nonstop communication and you shouldn't be feeding your anxiety. And it's not love, by the way, it's fear. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's get over that insecurity, over that part and really... And even like, I'm realizing right now what I said before that when I text Gary like a little video of me saying I love him and whatever, it's not just because he gets to see my boobs, but because um, he doesn't always uh, <laughs> on these videos. Uh, people are trying to hack my account right now. You don't want to, you don't want to see my boobs. Anyway, um, but you know, he likes those better. He loves those. And now, of course, I'm like, duh, Abby, all the research, right? Because he's seeing at least my face. It's more of an interaction. It took me a little more time. It's more, you know, his love language is more around uh, acts of service. So it's a little more of an act. You know, I get it. Kind of, kind of works, right? So before we end, I just want to say a last word about passwords, sharing passwords. So I, and I looked up, there's a lot of research on this actually. Um, oh, and Overall, sharing passwords to digital devices or accounts is actually a fairly common practice in romantic relationships. I know. So they've I, I was I was really shocked actually. There's something like one of the studies I read showed that uh, people in a committed relationship, about 75% of them had given their partner or spouse their password their password to their cell phone. A little less do email. It's like 60%. Uh, social media accounts are like 40%, you know, and I, I have a lot of issues with this. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because why do you, I don't have access to any of Gary's stuff because I don't know why I would need it. I, if there's an emergency and he, he if, you know, dies on the side of the road, or something, I, I'm not going to like jump on his Facebook and let everybody know he died. I, that's not how I'm telling people. People who we know, I have their phone numbers. That's who needs to know. I don't need to pass it all over Facebook. So I don't need it for that. I'm not checking anything he's doing because that's crazy time. Stop checking what your partners are doing. I did, I did, I've done episodes on trust, again, trust, building trust and honesty. I've done episodes on jealousy. This is another issue. If you are worried that your partner is quote unquote cheating, that's a problem. And that's something else you should be working on. Not, not, spending all the energy that you're spending tracking down and looking at what they're doing on social is the energy you should be spending connecting to them in person in face and ta having real talks how's that how's that 
I'm giving you some tough Jewish mama love here. This stuff drives me crazy and I can't tell you how many clients come to me with it over and over and over. And you will find things, I promise you. I promise you. I'm sure if I looked in Gary's, I would find stuff. I'm sure I would find him, I don't know, some woman texting him and him saying hi back or something. I don't, I don't fucking care. This man is devoted to me. I feel completely safe and secure. If I find out in 10 years that Gary has a whole other family somewhere and he's been able to do that all these years and make me still feel like queen of the hill, God bless him. I'm not going to feel like a fool. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to need to probably figure something else out. I'm assuming move on, but you know, I, maybe I'll like her. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say to you. Like, I get that that happens in extreme things, but like if you, if this relationship has problems, you know, already, you don't need to go look it up. You don't need to go catch it. Talk about the problems, talk about the trust, talk about other things, Find, go to therapy, do something else than spending your time lurking and searching. First of all, I don't want you to be that person and you don't want to be that person. You don't like this person. This person sucks. This person is petty and small and jealous and controlling and crazy. And that is not you. I love you. That is not you. So don't be, your actions are who you are. So don't be that person. And I'm talking really directly and clearly, and you might never listen to me again. And oh, well, like, because I'm not going to lie to you about this. It's, it's just bad form as far as I'm concerned. You don't, if you, if there's some reason you need it that I haven't described, there's an emergency that you could possibly have to get in their email, I guess, but I don't know. I, I've been in many relationships over the last, you know, I've had long-term relationships for many years and I've never once had access to cell phones and all that stuff. And yes, I've been cheated on before, um, many years ago, thank God, but I have, but I've never had access to that stuff and it's been fine. Like I haven't had to, I've never thought, oh, I need to have that. Like I haven't had to have it. You, you're, you don't need it. So and the only thing it does again is make you think like, oh, I want to get in there. It, it's gonna, it's gonna be that slot machine <laughs> thinking. I'm just telling you. And you're gonna go digging until you find something. Not when, until you're gonna keep digging. Cause you're gonna, I've had people do it. And they say, Oh, I didn't find anything. I've been looking for a few months. I haven't found anything. But they're still looking. Why are you still looking? That's the point. It's never enough. It's because you're not taking care of the problem. If you've been looking already and you haven't found anything, then why are you still looking? And if you have been looking and you have found something, why are you still with the person if you don't trust them? You got to look at you. This is about you, not about them. This is about you and your boundaries, not about them, not about catching them, not about any of that stuff. And I am on a little high horse here, aren't I? I don't want to end on this note. Okay. I want to bring, I'm going to breathe, bring my energy back. <laughs> I just... I really don't want you living your life this way. If you had a week to live, is this what you'd be doing? Checking your partner's email? I, I don't think so. I would hope that you'd be spending the time in things that are for your greater good, for your partner's greater good, for the world's greater good. I hope that's how you'd spend your time. So spend it that way now, because that's the ticket to a happy life. I'll tell you that right now. If any of this was making you happy, hey, I would tell you to keep doing it. I know it's not. I don't even have to ask you. I know it's not. So let's stop. Let's stop doing things that don't make us happy. Let's start doing things that do. Let's start doing things that fill us, that are for a greater good, that are for the world's greater good, that really make us feel empowered and excited and enthusiastic and loving. That's what I'm going to leave you with this week. How do you like that? 
All right. I hope this really helped today. I love you. It's why I yell and scream at you sometimes. It's why I get Jewish mother bossy because I just know you're capable of great things. And I promise it's not that far away, but you're probably going to need to change some of those little habits like I had to do since I <laughs> did this. Every time I do an episode, I change some habits because I realize there's some things I wasn't doing or doing as much as I could or less or, and it's wonderful. And I always see my life as joy and growth and that's success because, uh, you know, that's what I'm always going for. And I want you to go for it too. All right. Have an amazing, amazing, wonderful week. Stay close to yourself, your inner being. Know I love you, love yourself. And I'm going to talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.